Hebrews chapter 11 and the verse 32. Tonight we are considering the names of the four judges that are named here in this verse. Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah. I don't think we'll be able to get through them all, but we'll see how far we are able to go. Now, in some ways, this group of seven here is very puzzling, because up to this point, Paul has been strongly chronological, but not here. Because here, Barak is, in actual fact, before Gideon chronologically. Jephthah is before Samson chronologically. And Samuel is before David. So he he breaks the mold. But it's clear that the first four are judges. And this is the only time in the New Testament that they are named. You'll not read these names anywhere else in the New Testament. So just these four. And Paul here puts them together for for the first time. And of course we ask, why these four? I mean, after all, there were a whole lot more judges. There was Othniel and Ehud. There was Shamgar. There was especially Deborah, who was a contemporary of Barak, and probably more worthy than Barak. And yet, these ones are all omitted. And we are kind of puzzled by all of this, as well as them being chronologically out of order. And yet, Paul writes them down. The names, the way that they are, these four specific names in this specific order. Now, as I said, Paul doesn't bring us in in, in beyond the names. He's always brought us into every room. Abraham's name on a door, he brings us in. Abel's name on a door, he brings us in. Rahab's name on a door, he brings us in. But he's not going into any more rooms now. He's making his way out, and he's just putting the names on the doors and letting us see the names on the doors. We have to go in ourselves into these rooms and, and do our own study, which we're not, we're not going to do in this series. But we want to pause at these, these names and what we might learn from these names. These names, as you know, are written in Greek, Greek letters, in the original Greek, but you have to know that they're Hebrew words. They're not Greek words. Although they are transliterated and written in Greek letters, but they are originally from the Old Testament, and remember that a Hebrew name, Hebrew names, uh, we're looking at these four as we have time, a Hebrew name is a Hebrew word. And every Hebrew word has a meaning. And the Hebrew reader, and Paul especially, he will know the meaning of the name. That's what he'll see. The meaning in the name. Now you must remember that whenever we read these words, we don't see the meaning. It's just a label for a man. We, we see the man behind the name, and we don't really see the name, the word. We don't really understand the word because it's all Greek to us, as the saying goes, or literally, it's all Hebrew to us. We don't understand. We don't see the meaning. But Paul will see the meaning. Perhaps that's why he's chosen these names, because they have very important meanings. Now, If you take my name, for example, what does that name mean to you? (laughs) What does that name mean to you? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because it's Greek, and it's from a verb, Gregorio, which means to watch, and to be watchful. That's a very important word in the New Testament, 
And it's very important Christian duty to be watchful. Especially important for a minister to be the watchman. So, so that's the meaning behind the name. But you, you don't know that. Because it's Greek. But we want to get beyond the hiddenness of the word. And get to the meaning of the word. And that's the way we're, we're looking at these names tonight. And perhaps that might help us to understand what Paul is doing here. Each name leading us and directing us on our thoughts in a direction whereby they manifest their faith like the other people manifested their faith. These pilgrims who are following Christ. And so that's, that's what we're doing then. Four names and we're looking into the meaning of the name. Surely the Spirit of the Lord. He hasn't put anything else. He hasn't said anything else. Just wrote the names down. So we'll just try to see what they mean. And keeping in mind that these men of faith, particularly these judges, they weren't only pilgrims. All the other ones were pilgrims. Abraham going through the land. They're wandering. They're traveling through the wilderness. They're making their way through the land of promise. But now they're settled in the land of promise. And these men of faith are not only pilgrims. They're warriors. They're deliverers. They're saviors themselves. So that's the thing that unifies these four men. They are the ones who do have the sword. Who do have the weapons. They're not just carrying the staff like Abraham carried. Or like Isaac and Jacob carried. Whenever, you remember, he leaned on the staff worshipping God. That's how he died. He died in the faith that he was a pilgrim. But now we're entering into an area where, where we have men who not only have the staff now. They have the sword. They have the weapons of warfare. They're warriors and soldiers as well as pilgrims and strangers. And that's what we have to keep in mind whenever we, we look at these four. They are saviors, deliverers, engaging in the warfare, engaging in the judgment of Almighty God. The judgment aspect is part of their story in their lives. Now, in order of time, Barak is first. But Paul, by the Spirit, names someone else first. And that's Gideon. Gideon has, in actual fact, two names. Jeroboam. And he received that name because of an incident in his life. Because after the Lord met him and called him, one of the first missions that the Lord gave him was to throw down the altar of Baal and to cut down the idols, the groves of the idols, the Ashtaroth, that was around Baal and identified with Baal. It was in his family, these idols. And he was told to cut them down. Now he was hesitant, he was afraid. I told you he's not perfect in faith. We said that this morning. But he did it. But because he was afraid, he did it at night. It's night time, it's the darkness. And in the darkness and in the night, he goes and he casts down the altar of Baal. And he cuts down the groves. He did as the Lord said. The grove was cut down. And then the next day people are coming around. And they see the grove cut down. And they say who done this? And they find out that Gideon done this. And they said bring him out. Kill him. We're going to cut him down. He cut down the groves. We'll cut him down. And Gideon's father he stood up for him. He said if Baal's a God let him plead for himself. If he's cut down the idols and overthrown the altars. Let the gods plead for, for themselves. Let them deal with Gideon. Let Baal deal with Gideon. He can plead for himself. And so they called him 
Jeroboam, saying, let Baal plead against him. So the name means pleading against Baal. Or Baal pleading against him. And of course, he cut down the false gods, and Baal done nothing. Gideon's still standing. Because there are no gods at all. They couldn't do anything to gods. Gideon stands still. Gideon overcomes. Gideon still lives. Gideon destroys the idols and is not destroyed himself. And so he judges Baal. And he cuts down the gods. And that name was ever a reminder that Baal could not plead against him. Baal could not judge him. To use another word to plead, Baal couldn't judge him. Baal couldn't deal with him. So that was one of the names that he had. But it's not the name that's most often used in Judges. The most often used name is the one that Paul writes down, Gideon. That means the cutter down. He's the cutter down. It's a prophetic name. However he got the Spirit of the Lord is putting it upon him, identifying with that name. He's the cutter down. Here's a man of faith who lives up to his name, who identifies with his name, who carries out his name. In the name of God, he, he cuts down. He cuts down. Whenever God called him, the first mission he set him, set him on was on a cutting down mission. Go get in, live up to your name. Cut down the groves. Cast down the altars. And he did it. And it was the night that he did it. And it was by faith that he did it. Even though he had doubts and fears, even though he was afraid of the consequences, even though his hands were trembling, he did it. By faith he was the cutter down of the gods. The idols. Paul just has to mention the name and we know rightly what he's at. Not only did he cut down the grooves and Baal's altar, God called him to cut down his army. He had 30,000. God said it's too big. You have to cut it down. You have to re reduce it. And so God reduces it. And he's reduced it to 300. And with a cut down army. Which he's cut down in obedience to God. He, he goes forth. And then he cut down the Midianites. You remember. And you remember how he divided the 300 into three groups. And in one hand they had the pitchers. And the lamps and the pitchers. And in the other hand they had the trumpets. Where's the swords? Where's the cutting down to? There's only two hands. Trumpet in one hand. The light in the other hand. And a voice. So they break the pitchers. The light shows. They blow the trumpets. And they shout. The sword of the Lord. And Gideon. Gideon has a voice. It's the voice of a prophet. It's the voice of a warrior. Whose faith is in God. God does the cutting down. They didn't even have to lift the sword immediately. It was in the, in the watch. They were changing over guards. Some of the guards are going off. Some of the guards are going on. They're all awake. Half the camp's awake. And then this commotion. And they all turn their swords against each other. They don't know what's happening. Because the Lord has confounded them. And they cut down each other. And then the camp breaks up and they pursue them. The sword of the Lord. Gideon has the sword of the Lord. 
and as faith has seen that night. That's another night when he does the cutting down. His faith isn't perfect. He needs tokens. This is a man who's always needing tokens. He's always needing more and more to help his faith. And the Lord encourages him. He hears this dream. That's enough to help my faith. Now, I'll cut them down. So he had faith in the sword of the Lord. And the enemies of God were, were cut down by faith. Cut off. So he used the Lord's sword well. And he destroyed the enemies of God. And of course all these men of faith, as was said often, they picture Christ. Because at the end of the day, Paul's going to make us look at Christ. The chief pilgrim. All of them are pointing to Christ. Abraham saw Christ's day. Isaac saw Christ's day. Gideon saw Christ's day. They all saw Christ. And they prefigure Christ in their lives. And they typify Christ in their lives. Every one of them. Because all the pilgrims have the identity of Christ. And the likeness to Christ. And so in some way or another, in their faith and in their deeds of faith, they prefigure and foreshadow Jesus Christ. And Gideon does. Gideon's the cutter down. He's the first cutter down. But there's a last cutter down. There's an eschatological cutter down. It's Jesus Christ. He's the cutter down. He's the one really and ultimately with the sword. He is the sword of the Lord. Jesus Christ is the very sword of the Lord himself. The cutter down. The chief pilgrim who cuts down. And he was called of his father to be the cutter down. To be the destroyer. To cut down Satan. This was prefigured you see. By Gideon. And it was also foreshadowed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because you remember whenever Jesus Christ faced Satan. And he had that bout with Satan in the wilderness. And Satan came. What did the Lord Jesus Christ use? He used the sword of the Spirit. He used the word of God. It is written. A sword thrush. He cut him down. He rose up again Satan. Another sword thrush. He cut him down. And he rose up for a third time. And he was cut down finally by the Lord. It is written. The one who perfectly uses the sword of the Lord and cuts down Satan. Our heavenly Gideon. Our heavenly Lord Jesus Christ. The, the cutter down of Satan. Even in his use of the sword of the Spirit. Remember how the Bible says it's the Spirit of prophecy and Messiah speaking. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. So he, he, he's all the weapons there. He's made me an arrow. He's made me a spear. He's made me a sword. I have the weapons of warfare. I'm the cutter down. I'm the one who cuts down Satan. You know we can't cut down Satan. We can't overcome Satan. But we have union and faith to one who does. Who is the overcomer who's cut him down. He's cut down the devil. You remember at the cross, that's what the cross is all about. He's cutting down Satan. Satan thinks he's cutting down Christ. 
But Christ in his death is cutting down Satan. He's destroying him through death that has the power of death. He's cutting him down. He's destroying the destroyer. And it's pictured here in Gideon. He's boiling principalities and powers. Just like Gideon did against the Midianites. They're all flying. They're all fleeing. They're all being slaughtered. Oreb, Zeb. Heads cut off. Head cut off at the rock of Oreb. Head cut off at the wine press of Zeb. Cut off by the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And Jesus Christ is the one who's cut off the head of Satan. He's the one who's overcome our adversary. We battle with a foe who's defeated. Who is impotent in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ our Saviour. In whom we trust. Remember how the psalm says. He drink off the brook in the way. And he lift up the head. Whose head is that? It's Satan's head. Just as David lifted up the head of Goliath. The cutter down, the cutter off of his head. He took it by the hair and he carried it. He carried it to Jerusalem. The lifter up of the head. And Jesus Christ is the cutter off of the head of Satan. He, he decapitated him. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How thou art cut down, cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. Oh, the devil's a defeated foe. You remember that when he tempts you. You remember that when he comes to you. You plead the blood. You plead the cross. He's been cut down. Tell him he's a defeated foe. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. He's cut off his people's sins. Those sins that were attached to us. He's cut them off. He's cut them down. And when he came to us by his spirit and convicted us of our sin, he cut down our pride and he humbled us and he cuts down the enemies of the gospel. He's always cutting down the enemies of the gospel. You see so often the angel of the Lord in the scriptures with the sword. You remember he stood in front of Balaam's ass? There he is. There's a theophany. There's the Lord. What has he got? He's got the sword of the Lord. The sword of the Lord to cut down. And then you remember David as he looked onto the, the threshing floor up on the hill there of Zion and he seen the angel of the Lord. He had, he had a sword in his hand. It's the Lord with the sword in his hand. And you remember Joshua when he came to Jericho and he's wondering what he's going to do. He's scratching his head. The, the cloud and the pillar's gone now. All the tokens are gone now. And they're on their own. And, and Joshua's looking for an encouragement. And he sees the captain of the Lord's host. And what has he got? He's got a sword drawn. He's the cutter down. He's the cutter off. He's the heavenly Gideon. He's the last Gideon. Who does the true cutting down of the enemies of God. And so you'll notice that the trumpet blows here. And it's night. And the sword of the Lord appears. And of Gideon. And one night it will come. That the Lord will return. And the trumpets will blow. That all the trumpets will be blowing. And the last trumpet. And the Lord will come down. And the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And he'll deal with all the, all the wicked. All the ungodly. Coming in flaming fire. 
coming with a flaming sword to, to judge and to, to cut down his enemies. Because out of his mouth, the Bible says, goes a sharp sword and he'll smite the nations and the remnant will be slain with the sword of him that sits upon the horse. Which sword proceeded out of his mouth. So it's the Lord. And pilgrims of faith are to imitate Gideon. You see, we have a sword too, don't we? We are pilgrims. We have the staff. I've talked about the staff. But there's also the sword. We now have the sword of the Lord ourselves. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Not the carnal weapon. But the weapons of our spiritual warfare. The sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And God says to us cut down. You have to cut down things in your life. You have to cut down idols. Remember how the Lord said. You'll destroy their altars. You'll break their images. You'll cut down their groves. I mean Gideon should have known that. Whenever God called him he should have known that. And God had to remind him of the word of God. So it's not something new. The Lord is always saying to his people, cut down the idols. Remember how John Calvin says, our heart is an idol producing factory. We make idols every day. We produce them every day. And every day they come out, we have to cut them down with the sword of the Lord. With the spiritual weapons of our warfare. Remember how the psalm says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Yes, you have praises of God in your mouth, but also a two-edged sword in their hand. You have a sword, child of God. Yes, you praise the Lord, you adore God, you pray, you sing, but you also have this sword that you have to use in the defense of the gospel and in your resisting Satan and in your overcoming sin and temptation and the world and the flesh. You're a pilgrim, but you're also a warrior. A spiritual soldier in the conflict. So that's Gideon. Barak. Barak is Deborah's general. His name means lightning. Flash of lightning. You know what lightning's like? I mean, the sun's glorious. The sun is wonderful. It gives light all day long. But in the night, see, these are men of the night. These are men who had to work in the night. These are men who had to work in the darkness of the world. Gideon worked in the darkness of the world. And Barak is the same. He's the lightning who walk, works in the darkness of the world against the enemies of darkness, spiritual darkness. And he's lightning. And you know what lightning's like? Whenever it flashes, oh, it just illuminates the whole thing. Sometimes it even seems nearly more glorious than the sun. This brilliant radiance, this brilliant white, whiteness in the darkness. And Barak's like that. Oh, the enemies of God were in the darkness. And they thought it was all well. And then there came down Tabor. The lightning. The lightning flashed. It was Barak with Deborah. It was Deborah the judge with her general. And I think that Paul has selected the name here. And not Deborah because of the meaning of the name. Lightning. It's by faith lightning struck. By faith the man of God was lightning to the enemies of God, to Caesar and to his host. And it was a well-equipped host, you remember, vast number. And they had all the modern technology because they had hundreds and hundreds of chariots, modern chariots, 
modern chariots against the people of God. They had all the technology of the day, of the age. There's not even a sword. They can hardly find a spear in Israel. Hardly any metal at all. What does the song say of Barak afterwards? There was war in the gates. Was there a shield or a spear among 40,000 in Israel? Among 40,000 warriors and they could hardly find a sword or a spear. And that's what has to stand against all the technology of the wicked. All the devices of the wicked. All the craft of hell. What's the people of God against all the craft of hell? And all the modernness of, of the liberal age. What are we? We're nothing in our sense. But through faith, through faith in God and in his word, the people of God can be like lightning. And strike terror into the enemies of God. So, so here's Barak descending like lightning from the mountain and about to put them all to, their, to the sword, to their own swords. And the chariots were rendered useless, you see. Because when you have lightning, what do you get? Thunder and rain and, and storms and the river rising, the Kishon rising. And that's what happened. Like lightning, out of the mountain the storms came and the waters rose and their chariots got bogged down. They were bogged down in, in the water, in the mud and the mire. It was like another accident. It was like another deliverance of God for his people at the Red Sea. As the song of Deborah and Barak says, they upmarched out, the earth trembled, the heavens dropped, the clouds dropped water, the mountains melted from before the Lord, the river of Kishon swept them away, that ancient river, the river Kishon. Arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive. Have you heard that before? That's Jesus Christ. As he wins a victory, as he wins, as he conquers a day, he ascends. He takes captivity captive. He has the victory. He has the triumph. And the victory of Barak is described in terms of, of the ascension and triumph of Jesus Christ. Because he's a picture of Christ. He had faith in the Lord. The Lord delivered Israel by his lightning rod. And that rod was, was Barak. Like the Exodus. God through Barak bringing out his people. As the enemies of God are halted, their wheels are halted like the chariots of the Egyptians in the mud and the mire as the water comes down and drowns them and consumes them all. And as the psalm says, and it's applicable here in the judges concerning Barak, the water saw thee, O God, the water saw thee. They were afraid, the depths were troubled, the clouds poured out water, the sky sent out a sound, thine arrows went abroad, the voice of thunder was in the heavens, the lightnings lightened the world. And that's what Barak is. He's lightning. Because of his faith in God, the earth trembled and shook. And as I say, he pictures Christ, his Savior, his likeness to Christ through his faith. Because one day, descending from the Mount Zion, coming down from the mountain of glory, like lightning, Jesus Christ will return in glory. His glory will fill the earth. The lightning will shine forth from the east to the west. The Lord is described in the Bible as his brightness was as a light. He had horns out of his hand and there was a hiding of his power. So there's, there's this lightning 
in the glory of Jesus Christ. Do you remember how the Saviour said, As the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even on to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It'll be quick, but it'll be glorious. It'll just fill from the east to the west. It'll just fill the whole earth. This lightning flash of the coming bark, the descending bark, with the sword of the Lord and of Gideon coming down on the world of wickedness as it is judged at the advent of Jesus Christ. And so Christ shall appear in his glory. And as, as pilgrims and warriors, just as we have the sword of the Spirit and are to use the sword in the warfare as Gideon did, not in a carnal manner, but in a spiritual way against our spiritual forces. So we are to not just have the steady shine of the gospel day by day and constantly, but there are times of the lightning strike. There are times of the lightning proclamation of the word. There are times whenever you have to proclaim the fairy judgment the times when you have to talk of hell, the times when you have to talk of the wrath of God, the terrible wrath of God to come, which has thunder and lightning. The times we have to be like Sinai, where we proclaim the law, and the judgment and the justice of God. Now, we don't do that all the time. We have the sunshine of the gospel constantly going forth amongst the people and amongst the nations but men are so stubborn and set in their ways that we must also declare the judgments of God and the wrath of the Almighty and the thunderbolts and the lightning bolts of the heavens that are going to fall upon the earth. And while we don't send those lightnings and while we are not actually participating in the bringing of those lightnings, we are to predict them and forecast them and to show them forth in the preaching of the word. So God's people are suns to shine, but also lightning to warn of hell and to tell of the fearful wrath to come. And that song of Barak, how it ends, and with this I note, I was going to go on to Samson, because his name means like the sun. And Barak, as he ends his song with Deborah, he says... So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord. But let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might. And that's a powerful prayer. Let your enemies perish, Lord. But let those who love you, let them be like the sun. S-U-N, the sun that shines in its might. The power of the sun. Let them be like the sun which goeth forth in his might. In other words, he's praying, let them be like Christ. Let your enemies perish, Lord, but let your people be like Christ. Like, let them be like the sun that rises, this, this mighty sun. And that's a powerful prayer, that we might be like Christ. And while our enemies perish, we also must be conformed onto the likeness of Christ and shine with the brightness of Jesus Christ. And, and that leads us into Samson's name because he is like the sun. That's what his name means. And he rises like the sun over Israel. The mighty sun that 
brings all the power to change and transform Israel and to encourage them and to destroy the enemies of God. And we, we, we could talk about the, the power of Samson like the sun rising. And you see it particularly in that miracle of Gaza. You remember how he, he pulled the gates over two tons, is reckoned, at a conservative estimate that those gates weighed thousands of pounds. And he, he lifted them up. He took them up off their hinges and he, he lifted them up. I don't know how he did it, but he's like the sun arising. He's down at the sea level here, down at the sea, down at zero feet above sea, and he rises up and he goes to Hebron. It's 36 miles away, Hebron. 32,000 feet away up in the mountains. And here he's carrying these two tons of gates, the 36 miles up into the, the, the mountains, like the sun rising, the mighty sun that rises. There he is, as his son. A wonderful picture of Jesus Christ, the son of righteousness who shines on us and brings to us the defeat of all our enemies and brings to us all the comfort and the healing that is in his wings, our heavenly Samson, without the faults of Samson, without the riddle that was in Samson's life, without the fleshly ways of Samson, our pure, our spotless, and our sinless, heavenly Samson, who in his death destroyed our enemies and set us free, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who gave himself for us our heavenly Samson and Barak says that all those who love the Lord may be as the sun in his might like the heavenly Samson like Christ but we leave it there and may the Lord bless these thoughts to your hearts and may you rejoice in a saviour who has saved you and delivered you from all the powers and forces of darkness. Glory be to his name. Let us pray. We'll stand together.